BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I'm your host, Will McFadden. We are going to be breaking down the upcoming matchup with the Washington Commanders, and here to help me do that today is Aaron Freeman of Locked on Falcons. You guys know him. You love him as your everyday go-to source for Falcons content, so I'm very excited to welcome him on the show to break everything down, and we also talk a little bit about uh, the Falcons' great win over Houston. Lots to dive into there. You know, are we buying or selling? This defense is start through five games. What do we make of Desmond Ritter's performance? Is that going to be sustainable moving forward? What about the acquisition of Van Jefferson? How is that going to impact the offense? And then, of course, we look ahead to this matchup with the Washington Commanders. So please stay tuned for that. It's going to be a great show. Aaron brings a lot of awesome insights. Uh, so I'm really excited to bring that one to you guys. Football is back, and Bet Online is the number one information source for all your sports wagering info with all the up-to-the-minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football at your fingertips with Bet Online's real-time updates on stats, news, and odds. From week one all the way to the college football playoff and Super Bowl, Bet Online gives you access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. So I mentioned this matchup. Falcons currently sit 3-2. and two. The right side, they got a winning record, which as Ovi said on Monday's podcast, be sure to check those out after each game. Uh, if you're not already, it's better to be a winning team then have a losing record at this point in the season because of confidence that it builds inside Falcons. You know, going into the year, we always look around at, okay, who are the contenders? Who are the player or who are the teams that, you know, maybe last year surprised us who were on the upswing, the Falcons, the Lions, they were kind of in that category. Then you've got maybe some super duper dark horses uh, throughout the offseason. I think some people kind of liked Carolina in that, uh, area i think cleveland has been there before but these teams where all right maybe if things break the right way who knows what's going to make or going to come of this season the falcons have been up against a lot of those teams so far right they've already played carolina they played green bay who kind of belongs in that then you lose to detroit 
you lose to Jacksonville. I think more people coming into the season saw Jacksonville closer to that AFC contender status than maybe the true kind of like, all right, well, let's see if they've got it in them type of category that that maybe Detroit and Atlanta fell under. But then you bounce back with a win at Houston. Certainly coming into the season, Houston was viewed as a contender for that number one overall draft pick, even though they just had one, uh, or the number two, I guess. But they surprised a lot of people, including myself, with the way that they played early in the season. It's just a little bit tough to know what to make of them. And once the season is fully played out, we'll be able to look back and either say, wow, you know, Atlanta, quality win against Houston. Look at how they surprised people in the AFC South. Or we may look back and say, man, that little stretch that Houston had at the beginning of the season, that was fun. But then they kind of cater or cratered and you don't know what to make of, of that victory in hindsight. The Falcons have another matchup against a similar type of team. You know, the Washington Commanders have played pretty good football so far this season, at least in my opinion. They took the Eagles right down to the wire, 31-34, uh, Monday Night Football. And we saw just kind of what how that all came about, or sorry, not Monday Night Football, Sunday. But on a short week, then you get blown out by the Chicago Bears. And I know the, the Bears are playing better of late the last couple of weeks. It seems like they figured out some of their offensive problems, but this was a team that was largely kind of a laughing stock of the NFL just entering last weekend. So, you know, it's really tough to know what to make of this commander's team. I, I think they're a good team. I think they are a team that is capable of knocking off a lot of teams in the NFL on any given Sunday. Their defensive line scares the crap out of me. To be frank, you know, you've got Montez Sweat, you've got Chase Young, you've got Deron Payne, you've got Jonathan Allen. That is as good a front four as any probably outside of Philadelphia and maybe including the guys in Philadelphia. Atlanta has had its struggles in pass protection so far this year. I, You know, it remains to be seen what happens with Caleb McGarry, who left the game on Sunday and did not return with a knee injury. Storm Norton came in and replaced him and held up pretty well, but the Falcons did help Storm Norton out a little bit. It's going to be a real tough challenge for anybody. I'm looking at Jake Matthews over on the left-hand side who hasn't had, an, in my opinion, up to a Jake Matthews standard type of season so far to begin the year. And then you look on the interior where Drew Dahlman's playing well, Chris Lindstrom, we know what he is. Matthew Bertrand has been all right, but is still a rookie and has taken his lumps. And that is where this matchup begins and ends for me. Elena is going to have to win in the line of scrimmage or have a very good plan for how to work around that group. Because if you start elsewhere and you start kind of focusing on, all right, how do we build on this passing game? Let's drop back a little bit more. We got to get, you know, our running back. Let's kind of mix in some of these inside outside runs. No, first and foremost, I think you have to find ways to mitigate Washington's defensive line. If you can move the ball on offense, I think you try to put the pressure on Washington's offense and that is kind of how I think you go about formulating a game plan to win this one. I, I trust Atlanta's coaching staff. I trust the offense to have a plan in place to mitigate that defensive line. But you thought Brian Burns in week one had a chance to wreck that game. There's like four game wreckers on this defensive line. Um, so first and foremost, as we go into the weekend, that is where my mind is. Look at this defensive line, figure out a way to stop it, game plan around it, get some of these tight end screens going, get some of these running back screens. Maybe can you get a double move? Can you buy some time? But Atlanta likes to take some of these shots down the field. I'm just a little bit concerned 
with how the offensive line is going to be able, able to hold up in pass protection. Um, but that is kind of my one main note before we get into today's podcast. It's just kind of the one big thing about this matchup that concerns me. Everything else, Atlanta's defense against uh, Washington's offense, which has some good playmakers, Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson. I really like Brian Robinson, uh, even Antonio Gibson. I, you know, you like some of their weapons, but I've liked a lot of the weapons on the offenses that Atlanta has played so far. You want to talk about weapons? Detroit, Jacksonville, Houston, those teams, a lot of good weapons. And the Falcons have kind of taken them away. So that is why I circle back to the one aspect of Atlanta's offense so far this year that really has not lived up to our expectations. And that's the offensive line. You look over there on the defensive line for Washington, and it is just filled with shadow monsters. So that is the matchup to circle here for Atlanta. But you better believe they're going to be up for this challenge. Every football coach is going to get up for a battle in the trenches. Every football player is going to get up for a battle in the trenches. And that is what we're going to have on Sunday is one of the best battle in the trenches in the NFL. So I'm excited for that. But I hope you guys are excited right now for my conversation with Aaron Freeman. Very excited to have Aaron Freeman of Locked on Falcons joining me to break down a great performance against the Houston Texans and preview the upcoming matchup against the Washington Commanders. Aaron, what's up, man? Thank you uh, for taking the time. Uh, things are going well. You know, now that the Falcons are, uh, have won a game, it's, we're not in full <laughs> panic mode this week. It's just kind of relaxing, you know, uh, you know, season's back on track, that sort of thing. We'll see if, you know, a couple of days from now we'll be back in that panic mode, but uh, it's, uh, everything's doing pretty good. Yeah, we just fluctuate from feeling great, feeling horrible, feeling great, feeling... It's like me in my college days, you know? Oh, I feel great. It's a Tuesday. Let me go out tonight and then hate myself on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's Thursday. Now I feel great again. Let me go out tonight and hate myself on Friday. That's... Yeah, we just have that in a weekly cadence uh, here with the Falcons. But luckily, this is a game that the Falcons looked great, better than they have, honestly, in a little while. What what stood out to you about the uh, win on Sunday? Well, I think, you know, first of all, it was Desmond Ritter, right? He, he looked like the Desmond Ritter that I thought he would look like this season. And that was what was so frustrating about the first four games, which was that, like, he wasn't looking like the player that he started to look like at the end of last season, with mm -hmm. especially with the decision making. And so I thought against Houston, he was making very good decisions. He was making very good throws. And you just saw the offense doing a lot of the things that I think we were promised the offense would do a lot of positionless football, a lot of, you know, creativity and diversity of looks and all these various things that the Falcons are doing, spreading the ball around to, to various players and whatnot. 10 different players had a reception 11. If you count Tyler Algiers, uh two point conversion. Um, so it, it just felt like everything was kind of back to normal with what the preseason expectations were for this Falcon team. And, you know, I think it starts and ends with Desmond Ritter looking like the quarterback that I think a lot of folks like myself that were optimistic about his ability to turn into an effective starting quarterback looking like on Sunday against the Texans. I want us to put our, our tinfoil hats on and, and go out of the realm of, you know, this is pure speculation. You and I were no longer trying to use logic, which we like to do, but why do you think it took four weeks for us to finally kind of see the offense that we expected to see. I mean, do you think it, because when I was looking at, at just kind of the snap counts through the first four weeks, I was surprised. 
surprised by the lack of kind of involvement from some of these players on the fringe. You know, Scotty Miller, Michael Pruitt, these guys who you would see the Falcons use last year in kind of creative and effective ways because it's like the Levine Toy Lolo from Kyle Shanahan, right? The only time you use him is for that 45-yard kind of wheelback touchdown play, right? That's that's what he's there for. But the Falcons did a great job of that last year, and they haven't through the the start of the season, but they did, to your point on Sunday. Do you think that ju- it just takes a little bit of time for everybody to get on the same page for them to unlock that part of the playbook? Do you think they really truly had to go back and just expand some things over the past week. Like this is your, you're free to speculate here without the uh, bounds of, of anybody being like, well, Aaron Freeman reported that on believe in Falcons. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I think a lot of it just was naturally like, it's been something I talked about a lot on locked on Falcons, which is if you look back at Matt Ryan and, and Marcus Mario, it took them a couple of games before they kind of hit their stride in the offense. Like I think it was the week three game against Seattle where you started to see Marcus Mario look mo- a little bit more comfortable in the offense. It was week four uh, back in that 2021 season against the uh, Jets in London, where you finally started to see Matt Ryan look like, you know, the old Matt Ryan that we had seen for a decade plus uh, with his comfort level in the offense. So, I think some of the, the some of that struggles in the first couple of games was due to just it just seems like it takes time for you know this offense under Arthur Smith as well as other offenses around the league to kind of get up to speed you know in part due to all the preseason and limited <laughs> st- all the reps and yeah. stuff so I think that was part of it and then I really kind of think a lot of it especially the last two games on the road against Detroit and, and Jacksonville was the Falcons game plan kind of was really focused on trying to dial in Ritter to get off to a a faster start. And he just didn't respond well to that. And that just kind of led to the Falcons kind of, I guess, getting into a little bit of a quicksand situation where they were just, they were trying to dig themselves out of a hole and they were so focused on like, we can't get into a hole and then we're calling plays to, to try to get Ritter into a rhythm. And I think, not to sit here and say that they didn't try that on Sunday against the Texans, but it, it didn't seem like it was as much a priority of trying to get Desmond Ritter off to a fast start. It was just more, let's just run our offense the way that we want to run our offense. And they did some interesting things. And that led to the first, first quarter touchdown of the 2023 season under Desmond Ritter. Um, but I was, I was looking doing some research and I was like, yeah, we, we spent a whole lot of time over the last you know month plus talking about Desmond Ritter's tendency to start slow because that's something that goes back to his days at Cincinnati in, in football games. But then I was like looking it up and I was like, the Falcons under Arthur Smith have generally started slow, pretty much whether it was Matt Ryan, Marcus Mariota, or Desmond Ritter. And so maybe it's less of a Desmond Ritter issue and maybe it's more of an Arthur Smith issue with this tendency to start slow. So that... That's something that you know I'll be paying a little bit more attention to uh, as the weeks go on, but uh, I do feel like it was just a, a variety of factors that the Falcons were just kind of playing a little too tight and pressing a little bit early in games, and that led to some of the struggles. I noticed them a lot more in this game, too, attacking kind of the boundary outside of the hashes a little bit more than they had. You think back to the Detroit game, and it felt like they just knew everything that was coming kind of over the middle, and that's where you saw... Johnu Smith get crushed. You saw Matt Collins kind of get crushed. And I thought the Falcons did a good job of having a little bit of a change up pitch off of what they'd shown through the first four weeks. And it seemed as though Desmond Ritter kind of responded to that, right? You get him out on the move into the flat, hit these kind of short crossers. And then that kind of opens up some of the stuff down the field. The early start, uh, 
note is definitely interesting. I've felt like that's probably been the case, but I do wonder because sometimes it feels like there are easy stats or it's not even really a stat. It's just kind of like a, an occurrence that happens over the course of a season. It, it's easier to latch on to red zone, third down, slow starts, slow finishes, strong finishes, like everything that that's either the beginning or the end of games. Really, in, in the NFL, like I just think it's kind of hard to get off to a fast start, um, which is why I do think you're seeing a lot of teams now say, hey, we're deferring because you do want to be able to like lap that team and you feel a little bit better. Like in tennis, it's almost always better to let your opponents serve first because they're just going to kind of still be warming up. They may get the yips. It's like, all right, now I got the ball first. So again, these guys are all paid to do this. They're paid very, very, very well. <laughs> they've got all week. So you would think, yeah, can you get a 15-play script that's going to like lead to some points uh, to begin with? At least the Falcons it look like they're able to do that. I know they had a three and out to begin with. The Boo Birds immediately were out. And I was like, oh man, it's going to be one of these days if things just do not go well. Fortunately, everything did go pretty well. Any concerns about the run game being bottled up? Or do you think that that's actually more of a testament to this offense that the run game kind of wasn't there for them, but that they were able to really move the ball kind of via Desmond Ritter. Yeah, I, I do have concerns, but I've had concerns all, all year long with the run game. Uh, so it's have not, you? Anything, okay. it's not anything specific to this game. Um, what are those concerns? I, I don't think the offensive line has played as well as we, we thought they would. Um, I agree. Certainly I, I feel last like there's, year. There's a lot of negative plays. Now, granted, some of it may just be the offensive line played so well last year that this is just kind of a little bit of regression back to uh, the norm and, and sort of expecting them to to be the butt kickers that they were last year. Yeah, um, probably maybe wasn't realistic, but like I, I don't think the run game is is a huge concern. Like relatively speaking, I think the run game is fine, right? I, I think they're definitely one of the, you know, I think they were 11th last time I checked in, in terms of uh, rushing yards this year. So clearly relative to most teams in the league, the, the Falcons run game is, is more than fine. But I, I feel like so much of their offense is kind of predicated on just being the smash mouth team. Now, I think fortunately for them, they were able to drop back nearly 40 times last week and, and, and win the game relying on their passing game. But I am not super confident that is going to be something that they can consistently rely on week in and week out. Um, So like the run game to me is something that they need to get going, but I did like some of the adjustments that they made. You you, you talked about it earlier, just, you know, with the passing game, but also with the running game with a lot of more runs to the perimeter, right? Yeah. A lot more crack toss. Uh, which is a, a sort of staple play for them. You saw some of the reverses and, and shovel passes with Scotty Miller and some of that misdirection stuff. So I, I think that's going to be maybe something that the team is going to have to focus a lot more on moving forward because I think defenses have shown that, okay, we're just going to stack the box and force the Falcons, you know, and we're going to stuff the run. And if you just kind of, is it kind of feels like bashing your head into the wall if you just keep running it up the middle uh, in the ways that I think the Falcons have tried to do in some of these other games. So it is a concern for me. Like, I'm not panicking about it, but I do feel like we we still haven't seen the best version of this run team just yet. Uh, and so until we get there, you know, I'm 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 not going to lose too much sleep about it. But, you know, <laughs> I, I might I might be a little groggy in the morning just because I, I lose a little bit of sleep. 
Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. I think it's smart when you see teams just totally loading eight in the box and everybody's in here tight. You want to then spread it out, get it out to the perimeter, both through on the ground and and through the air. But it is notable that last year, like the one thing they could hang their hat on, right, was the run game. Outside of maybe like one or two games, Carolina game on Thursday night or what have you with the run game just kind of wasn't there. But last year, like you could almost always count on it being there. This year, you know, some new personnel, some new, you know, flavor to this offense. But I, I do think we saw it really click in the passing game last week. I know that the run game has clicked at times, and certainly Bajan is is still like the best player on this offense, and he's gonna make stuff happen one way or the other. But weirdly, it does feel like the element of this team that you can kind of count on week in and week out right now is the defense. So are, are you kind of buying or selling that this defense that we've seen through the first five weeks is is here to stay for the rest of the season. I'm buying it at this point. Like I know at some point some team is going to, you know, put a probably a 30 burger on them and we're gonna be like, what what happened with the defense, right? And it may be Washington this week. Um but um I feel like I'm gonna say that every week where it's like, well, the defense has played great. Maybe this is the week where they have the hiccup, but until they have the hiccup, I'm like I'm, I'm. This is one thing that I'm not losing any sleep over, and I do buy that this defense is legitimately good, right? Um, yes. You know, I wouldn't put them as a, like an elite defense or anything, just because I don't think that they have the pass rush to really, really affect the quarterback in the way that you know the top defenses in the NFL can consistently do. But I feel like if there's a tier below that. Like they're the best version of a defense that has, in some metrics, uh, like a bottom five pass rush that I've seen. You know, and we've seen a lot of bottom five pass rushes here in Atlanta. And the fact that they're able to play as well as they are, despite that, to me is a testament to to how good and and tough and disciplined this defense is. Yeah, I, I think that this is a little bit of like a a judge's decision defense, right? Like they're not necessarily going to knock offenses out. But they'll go the distance and then they'll kind of win because they they do it the hard way, right? Like sacks are the easy way to get off the field. Interceptions, turnovers, the easy way to get off the field. The Falcons force opponents to string together these long drives, which in the past we've seen them be able to do it kind of easily against Atlanta's defense. You think back to, unfortunately, the DQ days and just kind of there, you know, you'd want them to hit these three-yard, four-yard little checkdowns and then rally and make the tackle. Okay, now it's six, second and six, and let's see what happens. The Falcons, by and large, have been doing that really successfully so far this year. I think that that version you know, worries me a little bit because you would like to see them have those sacks, have those true negative plays, which then sets the offense back and it becomes that much harder for them to kind of overcome second and 14 is much more difficult to overcome than a second and seven, even though I'll take second and seven all day long. It's just, that's kind of where the Falcons defense has been living. So 
again, it's just the first five weeks. I think defense can evolve as well as offense. And it's great that the Falcons defense is, is getting this play right now. But you do kind of look at some of the opponents they've played. And yeah, there's some hard offenses in there like Detroit, like Jacksonville. I think Houston was playing as well as, as really any offense we'd seen. So that is why I am ultimately very confident about this unit. But, you know, there's going to be some matchups where you need to get to the quarterback. Otherwise, the quarterback is going to be able to pick you apart maybe a little bit more than we've seen some of these younger quarterbacks Atlanta has played um, so far. But what do you think about their secondary? Does that give you confidence that they're the way that D. Alford is playing, the way that Jeff Okuda is playing, AJ Terrell, Jesse Bates, these guys, that they're going to give some time for the pass rush to come around? Or do you think this is kind of just the version of Atlanta's defense that we'll see throughout the rest of the season where you've got a defensive line that generates pressure, maybe not sacks, and just a kind of very connected second and third level of the defense that just locks down opposing receivers? Yeah, I have the... My, my feeling about the defense is like, I don't think we've seen the best version of this defense yet. Because I, I feel like... Outside of Jesse Bates and AJ Terrell, like I don't, you know, and again, maybe my perception is off, but I don't know if we've seen the best of everybody else on this defense in terms of what they potentially could do. I, I guess David Onyemata is playing at a high level, but even he's he is, yeah. probably not being as effective a pass rusher as we've seen him be in the past, right? And the same is true with Grady Jarrett. Um, you know, Caden Ellis hasn't really had that huge impact as a pass rusher, uh, this season. Um, you know, I think Nate Lamon's played really well. He's been sort of a, a really good run defender. And I've loved Nate Lamon. Yeah. He's been kind of fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah. And, and all the folks that were pushing for the Falcons to resign Rashawn Evans, I'm just like, you know, you have Nate Lamon at home, right? And he's better than Rashawn Evans, if you ask me. But like, I, I feel like we've were seen. Were you saying that this offseason? I, I I never bought into the notion. Well, no, no, I was not saying that this offseason. Right? I, I did not buy <laughs> it. Aaron, Aaron's sitting here being like, guys, 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 guys. Nate but I, I was definitely anti-resigning Rashawn Evans just because I thought okay. he was a, a very limited player. But I feel like Nate Lamon has been... He's done great. Yeah. He's done awesome since he's been in there. So, and like, we, we, I think we've seen other players play well. Don't get me wrong, because obviously you can't have an entire unit playing as well as the Falcons can without players playing well. But like, I don't know if we've seen the best of D. Alford or Jeff Fakuda or Richie Grant or Anyamata or you know Caden Ellis and some of these other players, Calais Campbell and Bud Dupree and Arnold Abichetti. Like, I, I feel like there's still a lot of room for this defense to grow. So I, I like where this defense is at um, currently, and I think that this is realistic that they can maintain this. Um, but I also so what think, do you think, I mean, what do you think their season improve. could be? Yeah, it, it's hard for me to say like they're a top 10 defense just because again, I don't know if the pass rush is going to be there enough to get there. But like, again, if that means they're the 12th best defense in the league, like I'll, I will happily take that <laughs> in Atlanta. Cause we, you know, it's been 25 years since we had a defense on, on that level, maybe. Um, so yeah, like that's kind of, that's kind of where I'm at with them. I think if, I mean, I think you can see a blueprint, at least for success this year, where if Atlanta can have like the 18th best passing game and then the 11th best run game and like the 11th best defense and be fourth in special teams, which they're usually like really pretty high up there in special teams, 
that probably will get you to the playoffs. Like that's a level of balance that week in and week out, hopefully is getting you into a lot of these one score games. The Falcons have shown, you know, at least a, a level of, I have a level of trust in them in some of these one score games um, and their kind of resilience and ability to bounce back. So, you know, let's turn the, our attention forward and perhaps uh, another one score game coming up. Although I kind of hope not, but they've got a, another matchup with Washington uh, in Mercedes Benz stadium this weekend. Just looking ahead. What about Washington stands out to you? They're a weird team, right? They're like this high variance <laughs> team, right? We saw them get absolutely annihilated by the bears on Thursday night. And I went into that game feeling like Washington was the much better team. And, and the fact that they just kind of laid a stinker at home, I'm going to attribute more to just like the weird vibes that Thursday night games we get from time to time where some team is just like clearly <laughs> did not pre- prepare for that game on the short week. So I just think, you know, DJ Moore just absolutely yeah. annihilated him in that game. And it's just like, you know, I think he had like eight catches for like 230 yards like that. That's just that's just like it was wild. Yeah. Like was I, wide open. I know I know I know Washington secondary is not great. And has not been great, especially Emmanuel Forbes has really struggled this year. But like, I don't think anybody's like that bad. <laughs> and like, to, truth be told, like DJ Moore should have had more yards because they called him out of bounds on one play that he he, he should have had like another thirty plus yards on and scored a touchdown. But so like, when I look at Washington, like they're this kind of high variance team where like there are some games where like Sam Howell can be a really effective quarterback and throw for three hundred yards and multiple touchdowns, and then there's some games where he's throwing four picks like he did against Buffalo. Um, and then he he gets a lot of negative plays on sacks because he takes a ton of sacks. I think they've given up more sacks. And a lot of that is just owed to, you know, him holding on to the ball too long. He's been called a statue in the pocket. Yeah. <laughs> and it's weird because he, he, he does have enough athleticism. I'm to, like, yeah, he's weirdly he, a good runner, yeah, but yeah. he just doesn't run. So like, this is why Washington is such a, like, this is a type of matchup that could easily go like, this could be like a 34 17 game in either direction because like Washington mm-hmm. just plays, has a hot game and they can just sort of beat the Falcons with pure firepower because Sam Howell's just locked in. Or this is a game where the Falcons do what they do and sort of mash them into the into dust. And the play action game is generating explosive plays. And Emmanuel Forbes is having another uh, nightmare of a game and, and Drake London's, you know, bodying him. And, and the Falcons win it handily or something like that. So it's a hard game to kind of wrap my head around. But I, I just know, like, even though I think the, the general perception going into this two-game home stint was that Houston was the better team because I think Houston was the more consistent team. But I feel like Washington, at least their, their A-level game, is much higher than Houston's A-level game just because watching them the week before and week four against Philadelphia, like, they were taking it to the Eagles. Uh, and the Eagles are one of the best teams in the league. Um, and like if that Washington team shows up, like that's going to be a problem for the Falcons, I think, given how they, they play, but that team hasn't consistently shown up for Washington this year. So this is, this is a, a hard game to to kind of wrap your head around. Cause it's like, I don't know what Washington is and to be told, I don't really know what the Falcons are because they haven't been necessarily the most consistent team this year outside of the defense. So it's just. This this game just could be a weird one. Uh, so I, I would just I'm going into it kind of with like no expectations because I just don't know how to wrap my head around this matchup. That's why I, you know, I know it's it's part of our job is to talk about the upcoming match, but it's like such a weird 
hard exercise because you're like, yeah, what do you do with these two teams on like on any given Sunday? You're right. Like it could be 34, 17 in either direction. And like, how do you provide great analysis on that matchup beforehand? Because it's like, well, Washington's defense could absolutely just take this game over. Their defensive line scares me. However, mm-hmm. I also see a world where Atlanta has a great game plan that they execute offensively, and it's filled with these Jonu Smith tight end screens. You get Michael Pru involved. You get Cordero Patterson, maybe his first look, even though you know I am one week away from just stop teasing Cordero Patterson because it's like fetch. Just stop trying to make it happen at this point. You know we had two good years with him, and now he's basically your kickoff returner. Uh, but I, yeah, I just see this game playing out in a couple of different ways, but recency bias would have us think, all right, Atlanta four and two. That's basically the talk around the city this week is like, I feel like people are just overlooking this Washington team and they shouldn't because this is when they are clicking to your point, go look at that Eagles game. Like they are a good team. They are probably better than their record at this point, even though it's still just five games in and two and three is, you know, just a coin toss away from being three and two. And I, I do think that, this group is going to give Atlanta a really good game. Um, but it's just kind of hard to talk about a, a matchup, at least when it's Wednesday and we don't have injury news and we don't have things like that. So I'm just going to keep us moving right along into our last little topic here. Uh, the Falcons made a trade and they brought in Van Jefferson from Los Angeles. I It's another kind of low risk, potentially high reward move that I've really liked Atlanta kind of doing under Terry Fontenot so far this year. Jeff Gouda, Johnu Smith fitting right in, working right out. So what do you see the Falcons getting from Vans, Van Jefferson? Yeah, I, I like this move. I, I, I talked about Van Jefferson on Locked on Falcons many, many months ago as a potential option for the Falcons to try to bring in, you know, wide receiver. And that's that was a through line throughout the offseason in summer on Locked on Falcons, which was, I don't know if this wide receiver core is good enough to get the Falcons. the same here, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so we were, we were pushing Corey Davis quite a bit until he ultimately retired. But Van Jefferson was also on that, that short list uh, as a guy that going into his contract year and necessarily wouldn't have the long-term security in, in LA. Uh, and and it's kind of an Arthur Smith type of guy and, and brings a lot of things to the table that, you know, Arthur Smith likes, because, you know, as a Rams receiver, you have to block because as you know, they do run the football there occasionally. Um, and so he has that ability and, you know, Arthur Smith loves his boy receivers that can block, uh, boy, does he. <laughs> and, but I think the, the, the thing that Van Jefferson specifically brings as a receiver is the speed, right? That he has been primarily a deep threat with the Rams, um, over the last couple of years, like when he got drafted by them a couple of years ago, I thought, oh, he's a really good slot receiver. Mm-hmm. But of course, they have Cooper Cup, and who's arguably the best slot receiver in the league. And so it's like, well, we don't really need you to do that. So you kind of need to do something else. And he's carved out a decent niche as a sort of a, a vertical threat uh, with his speed. And I think that's something that the Falcons have been sorely lacking as a guy that can take the top off of a defense. So, like, I, I I don't think people should expect you know Van Jefferson to get on the field this week and and you know start putting up you know running deep posts and and whatnot. But I do think as the over the next month or so, you might see him sort of slowly be incorporated in the offense as that vertical threat in in the same ways that Demir Bird was last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I think a lot of us thought Scotty Miller would be utilized in that way this year, but we really haven't seen that. Um, and so I, I like this move for the Falcons. I think it brings some much needed juice. And, you know, if, 
if teams are going to play a certain style against the Falcons offense, which is going to be stacking the box and, and trying to stop the run, you know, the, the best way that you can um, attack that is by, you know, taking the top off of the defense. And I think Van Jefferson is probably the best option that the Falcons have currently on the roster and can do that at an effective level uh, moving forward. So I think there's a lot of potential for Van Jefferson to be an impact player for this team, even if he's not necessarily going to be a guy that's going to put up, you know, monster production here in this offense. It, it might be, you know, two catches, but if it's like two catches for like 45 yards or something like that, like that's going to be something that I think is going to be really valuable for the Falcons. Yeah, I saw his average depth of target this season, and it's ticked up every year of his career, um, but it's at 18 yards right now, which, you know, speaks to the role that he had in L.A., but also, you know, his his downfield speed. I mean, he's got legit like 4-3-40 speed, or at least he did at Florida. Um, and I really do think that the, the one aspect of Atlanta's passing game that really does need an upgrade is kind of that clear-out person. You know, that that's part of the reason why I think we've seen some of these really tight windows. It feels like one defender has been able to cover two receivers at time. And that's just because I don't think they necessarily have somebody who can just get on his horse and just take the safety 15 yards away from the nearest receiver. And that's what I think Van Jefferson can really do. The, they're different players, but kind of the role that I initially thought of was that like Alameda Zacchaeus role, mm -hmm. which I do think Demir Bird slotted into. They've had a number of Kaderil Hodge at times. Like, that third receiver who kind of does a, a couple of different things here than what you've got Kyle Pitts and what you've got Drake London doing. So I think Van Jefferson, you know, from all parties, it seems the Rams, Van Jefferson, the Falcons, this is the trade that they're all in on it, for Van Jefferson, a former second round pick. It gives him another opportunity to have a bigger lion's share of the offense than he was going to have in LA, certainly with the emergence of Puka Nakua down there. So I'm really kind of bullish on this move. But again, if it doesn't work out, you gave up a sixth round pick. So like it's it's all kind of gravy at the end of the day, which is what the Falcons have done a good job. And they they love a guy on a contract year, don't they, Aaron? I mean, there is something about I wonder if Arthur Smith sleeps on a bed of nails because that dude does not like anybody to be comfortable. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair to say. Definitely. <laughs> um, but this has been a, uh, a great, comfortable conversation with you, Aaron, please uh, let everybody else know where they can find you. Of course, you can check me out uh, Monday through Friday on Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Um, and you can also find my written content at the Falcoholic. Will knows a little bit something about that. So I don't know what angle I'll be taking this week because again, it was it was difficult for me two weeks ago with the Jaguars game because it was a similar sort of game. Like I don't I don't know yeah. what this game is going to be, um, and so I'll figure out something this week as well with this Washington matchup because I I don't know exactly what this game is going to be. I'll, I'll probably wind up talking about the offensive line. That that tends to be where I fall back on with the offensive line. So we'll see. NFL, man, your parody is killing us podcasters. It's just all gray area. We don't know what to make of these matchups. They're they're just too juicy. They're too good. But I completely agree. I mean, Jacksonville is a great comp for this team where if they're playing their best game, yeah, they, their offense can put up points. Their defense can shut people down. But we've seen the Falcons now at least do the same. So it should be a great matchup. Aaron, this was a great podcast. Thank you so much for uh, joining me, man. Appreciate it.
All right, a big thank you again to Aaron Freeman of Locked On Falcons for joining me today to break down a variety of topics. Thank you guys for listening. As always, today's show was presented by BetOnline. Please check us out on YouTube, Believe in Falcons. Shoot us a note on at our Gmail uh, address, which is believeinfalcons at gmail.com, and we will get around to doing a mailbag episode pretty shortly. But that will do it for me today. Be on the lookout bright and early Monday morning for Ovi and I. We will have our thoughts on this one. I will be in attendance once again, so follow me on Twitter at Will McFadden for all of my thoughts live from the stadium. That'll do it for me today. Until next time, everybody, take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.